0: I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program. Welcome
1: everyone to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. We record our episodes live in Allspace every week, and you can join us from your PC or VR headset. Just log into Allspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Today, we are continuing our Matrix month with Matrix Reloaded. Those of you who uh, uh, say that it didn't live up to the first, uh, there are some of you out there, and those of you who say it deepens the mythology and is better than the first, there are those out there as well, we are going to get to the bottom of this for once and for all, right here, right now, <laughs> to help me out with this major conundrum that has lasted for like, I don't know, 15 years or something like that, maybe 10 years, something like that, is Futurosity Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Futurosity once again.
2: Hey, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back. This is going to be a fun one. Absolutely.
1: And uh, we have a few people joining us Sports Pilot, PR, Antibes, Sky Bison. Of course, Mikey loves VR. Ishman, nice to see you guys. Uh, We do want to hear all of your opinions because i have a feeling this is like a controversial one like some people love it some people hate it so we really do want to hear what you guys have to say use the raise hand option uh in between our little segments here and we'll uh we'll take some thoughts and things from the audience um so you know it's been a while uh since uh, i'd seen this movie um have you you've seen it a few times
2: i take it i've seen it a few times within the last couple weeks but overall, I think I haven't seen it in over maybe ten years. Um, it's been a while. I used to try to rewatch the Matrix trilogy together as a whole, but over time, I just started just watching the first movie more and more. Um, kind of my interest kind of you know, tapered off, I guess, over the years. But the first one still an all-time great. I could rewatch that at least a couple times yeah, a year.
1: Absolutely, and we covered uh, we covered Matrix One with the the storyboard artist of Matrix One, Two, Three, and Four. Uh, so that is. It- Episode uh is coming out next week uh on the podcast. And then of course we're just gonna do all of the trilogy because the Matrix 4 is about to come out and we're sort of gotta get up on our mythology and gotta you know get up on the original trilogy. So the one cool thing about this is that when this came out, virtual reality was literally science fiction. And now here we are in virtual reality with all these people from who knows where, uh Utopian and Skype and Ishman, uh, probably beaving it from all over the place. So that's kind of cool that we can actually talk about virtual reality in the Matrix in virtual reality. Well,
2: oh, that's an amazing thing. I mean, and just imagine, nineteen ninety nine was the first one, and after all these years, I mean, yeah, VRs. I mean, there's millions of headsets out and multiple services are competing for products so yeah we're in a really interesting time everyone's competing and creating new stuff in vr and the metaverse is at our fingertips very it's kind of
1: happening it's kind of here the question is of course when we're in virtual reality are we just in a simulation of a simulation or is this like the escape from the machine that is the real world i don't know we'll we'll have to have to see what uh, actually Similarity. that's a pretty cool outfit and a cool, we'll have to hear your opinion on that as well. Uh, but let's dive into it. Uh, let's just get started with our overall thoughts. So uh, I hadn't seen this movie for like 10 years. You wanna, do you want to start with your overall thoughts or do you want me to dive in? And anyone else who wants to give their overall thoughts, please do use the raise hand option and we'll uh, take your thought. What do you think?
2: Oh, please. I would love to hear. What
1: okay. Say. Okay. I'm excited. All <laughs> right. So overall thoughts watching it again. Okay. So the, I have to admit the first time I watched the original matrix, I was like, mind blown. This is the greatest movie I've ever seen as a lot of us did. Right. It, it was just like, it, it completely, it took the ideas of like William Gibson's zero monster, but it put it into a way that was relatable and interesting and mind blowing and all of that kind of stuff. And so there was a lot of expectations going into the matrix too. I have to admit when I first saw it in the theaters, I literally fell asleep during the movie. It did not captivate me at all. <laughs> I kind of like dis- disregarded it. There was a lot of these huge action sequences, like when they're on the uh, freeway um, and they're jumping from car to car. And I was just like kind of lost in it all. And there was like, there was, like Agent Smith had multiplied and there was too many of those guys running around. And then the, the mythology gets super deep and I just kind of got lost on it. And I was a little disappointed and I never went and visited Matrix 3. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. This time around, I have a little bit more distance from it, and I feel like there's a lot more to offer than I first gave it credit for. Um, I think that there's some really innovative ideas with uh, simulations, and they really are expanding on the mythology, giving it more depth. And they are giving the characters, they're trying to give those characters a little more well-rounded depth as well. We're, do- we're getting into Zion and understanding how that works and the mechanics of that and the politics of all that. So. There are a lot of things to offer. However, I'm not sure even after all that stuff that they stuck to landing. I know, I know everyone's going to be mad at me here. Uh, Maybe I'm going to be the guy that's going to be the controversial guy who's going to say some of the negative things about Matrix 2. But there are some negatives, so we'll get into that while we go a little bit uh, further down the road here. But I want to hear your overall thoughts first.
2: Overall, I remember my experience in the theater was one of disappointment because everyone has the movie in their head, you know, that you love the original Matrix, and then you had to wait a couple years for the sequel, and everyone was speculating online, like, you know, early 90s internet, you know, chatting about what's to come. So, of course, you know, there's no way to deliver exactly what everyone wanted. And for me, I kind of forced myself to like the movie over time. I remember buying the DVD after feeling disappointment in the theater, but hey, I got a DVD a couple months later when it came out, and Kind of rewatched it over and over and over until I kind of eat it into my head where I realized, hey, um, this is a sequel of excess. They gave us a lot of everything that we loved in the original movie, but they kept giving it and giving right. it. At times where I'm like, hey, you can hold back a little bit. They didn't. So I'll, I'll be honest, I appreciate it on a certain level and I appreciated it more from multiple rewatches. But that first experience was a little rough, right. I'll be
1: honest. Yeah. yeah. And they go really deep into that mythology, like you said, and you kind of, kind of loses a, a little bit of the momentum. And, um, so I don't know if anyone else here has any thoughts they want to dive in with, Utopian or, uh, or uh, let's see, Eric Shue or Cordelius or anyone like that. Otherwise, we'll keep moving a lot. But please do use the race hand option. We definitely want to hear your opinion about this. But it might say, it sounds like maybe we're on the, sides of the spectrum where you're more forgiving of some of its flaws than I am. So it'll be interesting to see how, how this uh, plays out so then so let's get into the plot which is the major sort of conundrum here that some people love and some people hate and uh this is the controversial topic do you want to try to give a bullet point of what the plot is or should i do that well you give the bullet point i'll fill in the blanks all All right so the big bullet points are that it's six months after the original matrix they are down in uh zion they've just that the they have 72 hours before the robots are going to destroy zion all of the, the sentinels are coming and so they have to figure out a way to save the world so what they do is they go to the uh, oracle back in the matrix and she tells them that they have to find the, the Keymaker, who will then lead them to something called the source where if neo that's his destiny is to go to the source and from there they will discover that uh, just like he did in the first one. The first one was a choice if he's going to save himself or he was going to save Morpheus. This time it's if he's going to save Trinity or if he's going to save all of humanity. So like Zion and everything, that's the choice he's going to make. And it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, well, that's that's the overall plot. So, so, so what do you think of that? Uh, and did I leave anything really important out there?
2: You got all the big points, because we're going to get into the deeper spoilers in just a little bit. But overall, yeah, The Matrix Reloaded is a story about the illusion of choice. And they're reinforcing it in multiple scenes, either through action or through dialogue. And they followed you know, the philosophical tenets of the first movie. You know, They just had a chance to see the philosophy from multiple perspectives. You know, Difference between, are your choices yours? Is there such thing as fate? Or is everything an illusion and under control all along? So the fact that we had three different viewpoints of that, the story allowed us to kind of play with them scene by scene. And the audience gets to get involved in that decision-making process in a weird way because we get to watch and realize, hey, is this character saying the truth or is this a manipulation? Um, I thought that interactivity is what kind of kept everything together. The audience is constantly questioning, hey, what's coming next? Are we going to be lied to or are we going to get further and closer to the truth? We're not sure either way. So I do have to give the movie credit for hitting within those bullet points, and could see what they were going for.
1: Right. Yeah. No, that's a really, really good point. I feel like, you know, you got to give this movie credit for taking a big swing. Like they were going for it. They were going for a blockbuster that had popcorn appeal, but also could satisfy the philosophers at your local college. Like that's a really hard thing to to straddle those two worlds, and so they really went for it um and i give it credit for that having said that it's you know it i think it, it sort of gets crushed under the weight of the movie because it gets so it's a little bit convoluted it's not really clear what uh, the journey is the, the it's you know the first one has that hero's journey with the main character so that's so so clear and obvious but this one is like a little bit more philosophical and confusing in, in a way and so i feel like some of the sticks uh get lost a little bit uh, along the way uh and you kind of forget like what is the purpose of all of this and you you know you don't have as much uh of an emotional connection to neo believing in himself that was so simple and clear in the first one and this one is like We don't really know what this prophetic dream that he's having about Trinity is. And we don't know what the Oracle's mystical sort of cryptic uh, messaging is. And we don't really know what he's going to find in the source. And he has to go through all of these other avenues to get there. We don't have a clear villain this time because the Agent Smith is sort of like a side villain because he's kind of like awakened from... He's uh, from his uh, being uh, trapped as a robot, but he doesn't really have another goal other than to like cause havoc with Neo. So uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of that convoluted quality. Um, I think gets it, it. You lose the through line and the simple emotional through line of the story. So that's my big uh, problem with. it.
2: No, I agree. And in, in many ways it's sequelitis. You know, when you think of um, Neo, for example, they power leveled him to the point of absurdity where it was hard to even find stakes in the action because you're not sure. Hey, well, you no know Neo is going to get out of this. Oh, he dropped one drop of blood. OK, that was a lot of effort for all right. that. It just seemed like over and over again, I just realized the superhero is way too super, super heroic. I right. mean, it's there's no kryptonite to take him down. Um, so that was the main flaw of the movie. Neo was invincible to the point of absurdity. And also it was too much Matrix within the Matrix. Everyone wearing, you know, the same sunglasses, 24-7, darker light, you know, all the leather. Suddenly realized, hey, this is three years after the first movie came out. Okay. I mean, a lot of things changed stylistically in the outside world. It felt somewhat dated already because everyone borrowed from the first Matrix multiple times over by the time we got a sequel kind of seen all that before right. so that was the one thing that bothered me i realized hey you know what all the cliches that were awesome a couple of years ago have now been reused right. and unfortunately i didn't think they were able to go above and beyond you know surprise and delight us with something yeah
1: you, you had a- Really good point, though, about this sort of there was no kryptonite in this world, and so it's like in the one hand, Neo can stop bullets when they're shooting machine guns at him, but on the other hand, he has to like kung fu fight people with axes, and that's more difficult. It's like, wait, what? Like, how could he be like the one in stopping bullets but not being able to stop an axe at like and you know crack it like a a toothpick, toothpick or something like that? So yeah, there's a lot of inconsistencies where it's like, what are the stakes here, and how is Neo going to get hurt and all of that kind of stuff? Okay, so here here's the here's I'm going to pitch you two, two examples of a cleaner, simpler movie. And actually, I want to have your guys' opinion here. Tell me if I'm like completely off base or if this would have been a better sequel. So here's, here's what you sort of expect the sequel to be, right? It's that, okay, we're in Zion and everything, uh, we've got the, the remainder of the human race, and we discover that the Sentinels are going to destroy everything in 72 hours. And so Neo and gang need to go on a quest to take down the giant AI supercomputer that has spawned the matrix and has like created all those human batteries so that it's like, we have to go and attack essentially the Zion of the AI. Right. And so that they would need to go on a mission to, to do that and to like it's up against all odds and they've got a 72 hour timeline to be able to pull that off. And along the way, you know, Neo has to sort of, you know, rediscover that he's the one or, you know, something along those lines. I don't know. That would have been like the simpler, cleaner version of a sequel. Anyone here think I'm totally off base with that? Anyone, Or does anyone have a different, uh, a different thought or, or do you think that it's better the way it is? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Okay, so
2: I, I feel like that would have been <laughs> Yeah, it definitely seemed that like the Wachowskis took an indirect right. route when it wasn't as necessary and it wasn't as satisfying being indirect. I mean, there were many times they actually repeated the same points over and over again. So they gave us, you know, the long form philosophical version of the same bit of information and then just a didactic conversation between two characters about the same exact subject matter. Right. I mean, how many times are gonna be reminded that Zion exists because of machines, as in machines keeping everyone alive, the climate control systems, et cetera, et cetera. And also the fact that machines themselves actually ensure Zion's existence. You know, it it was repeated about eight times over to the point where I'm like, okay, I kind of get it. Show me something. It was very much a movie of telling versus showing and there were many times in which i just want to see that happen so you tell me about yeah. it
1: well it also like it, it, it is simpler version like that and it's like once you take down the ai that is spawning the matrix then you free everybody who's trapped in the matrix right and then you've expanded zion because at the very beginning they talk about how neo has uh freed more people than in the last like 10 years combined or something like that well why you just read them all in this movie and then we'll like get on with things but instead they kind of got caught up in this like philosophical conundrum so that's 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 the one thing that was like you know a, a little too bad you know i here so here's the second version which i know they never could have made but i always thought that this <laughs> should have been the one that the matrix two was and tell me if i'm crazy here guys as well uh but what if they did like the in- version of the matrix where they just they get they free themselves from the matrix but then in part two they discover that even zion and where they freed themselves to is another matrix (laughs) And then it's like the inception of like have to free himself from the freeing of of the simulation of the simulation of the simulation. And then the philosophical question is like, is there really a reality to go to or are they trapped inside, uh, you know, an onion of simulations that goes on and on and on? I don't know. What do you think? Crazy, not crazy, so-so? Low-key Saturday likes that one, too. Okay. Oh, City Girl, how's it going? The City Girl's like, yeah, not bad. I know that that would probably... uh, What's up, Blue Moon? I know that one probably would never get made. That's a tougher... What's up, Jules? Um, It's probably a tougher sell, but um, I don't know. That's always the one I wish I could have seen, because then you could have had him sort of trying sort of becoming the one again and again, and then there's sort of a philosophical conundrum there as well but if anyone else has any theories to oh, what right. the plot could have been, please do let us know uh use the raise hand option um but I don't know what what do you think of that last one too crazy
2: no that's kind of what I was expecting I mean I thought okay they're presenting new layers of control that the machines are putting on the system. So essentially the one is part of the system. So thus, hey, maybe there is another layer of reality on top of it. So I I did feel like at first they set it up for that route, Mm. but ultimately they went another direction. For me, simplicity wise, I thought that's where they're gonna go. It's like, hey, you're in a reality of a reality because there's multiple instances of the matrix. So thus you may still be in a version of the matrix right now. I, that, that simplifies right. things but they kind of decided to go for artificial depth of sorts right. the philosophical angle when you know story-wise they could have just you know, kept it straight and it could have been really really interesting and still yeah. fun
1: yeah absolutely uh um, yeah nice try jerry but no this camera's stuck in place all right cool well let's uh if anyone else has any <laughs> thoughts on the plot uh please do let us know otherwise we'll jump right ahead to the characters here. So, I don't think we need to focus too much on Neo and Trinity and Morpheus. They're kind of similar to the original one. The Neo uh, love story with Trinity has deepened a little bit. She saves him in the first one, he saves her in the second one, so there's a nice sort of duality there. Um but there's some new interesting characters that I thought we could dive into a little bit. Um so I guess we'll just start with what my favorite is these new guys, these exiles, uh which are these albino oh, twins. Yes. Um, Who are, I guess they're like rogue programs that uh, they believe are older versions of the agents, but who are now in the new matrix and have these special powers of becoming ghost-like because I guess they are rogue so they can they sort of explain that uh, if you see vampires or aliens or ghosts it's because they're a rogue program who has separated themselves from the mainframe and now they kind of can do whatever they want in the matrix so I thought these guys were super cool uh, and um, the fact that they have these ghost like abilities was kind of neat and it's kind of relatable to the real world in the sense in the way that in the original if you guys remember the glitch in the matrix was like oh when you get deja vu that's explained because it's a glitch in the matrix and this one's like oh if you ever see a ghost or an alien in the real world that's because you are seeing sort of a glitch in the matrix again so i thought that was really cool i don't know what do you think of these these guys
2: oh, i thought it was a fun concept i mean the media introduced you know viruses you know independent agents within the, the metaverse of the matrix all those elements adds new features i mean even the fact that they are were technically werewolves you know and you know the Merovingian's wife you know, the silver bullets to take down people. That's all this fits into right. that world. So when you have these twins with these special abilities, I want to kind of more of them. I actually want to see Neo take them on, but it was very fun to see, you know, Morpheus, you know, with his sword fighting these guys one-on-one. I mean, that was a really interesting sequence. I mean, overall it was really well done. I mean, I thought the visual effects and how it was implemented within the world of the matrix worked smoothly. So it was a great introduction. I just wish we had a little bit more of them. Yeah, no, that's definitely definitely true. Um,
1: all right, so we, we got to talk about the other uh, <laughs> the other one who had escaped uh, the control, which <laughs> which is of course our wonderful H.S. Smith who has replicated himself. So this was this was kind of interesting, and I have to admit this is something I didn't quite pick up the first time I watched it, which is that he is also unplugged from the, main. and then he's got an upgrade, and they and he sort of postulates that they got the upgrade because a little bit when neo at the end of the first one goes into him and makes him explode there was a fragment of neo's code i guess that got caught into the agent and that's what freed him from the matrix but now he's sort of like a a solo agent in there uh who's able to replicate and do all of these uh crazy things but i didn't quite understand like what his purpose was i guess his purpose was to to steal neo's purpose Right. Was that that's what he starts talking about, which is, again, a little bit like philosophical as opposed to like something that is tangible that we could relate to in a way. But I don't know. What did you think of the upgrade of Agent Smith?
2: Well, the upgrade was interesting because more I think about it, the loss of purpose could definitely drive someone mad because you think of him, he was designed for a single purpose to be an agent within the system. But through some miraculous action, now he's broken free of it. Suddenly, it's just like being unemployed within an endless, <laughs> infinite digital world. He suddenly lost the one thing that he was designed for and built for, and he's trying to find something to replace it. So that's why the viral mechanism of you know, replicating himself and taking over other bodies within the Matrix, because he has no other purpose. It's almost like um, you know, Ego, the living planet, and you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You know, his whole evil plan mm-hmm. was to replicate himself around the universe so everything becomes him. But in many ways, I saw in the Sith's his ego exploded to the point where he wanted to become everything. So by continually replicating himself and taking over the Matrix, that seemed to be the only thing that could fulfill him. Mm. That, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, well, you know what would have been cool, though? Would have been cool maybe if, like, he went over to Neo's side? Like, he was like a rogue agent who was like, oh, my purpose now is to just take down the machine and join the humans because that's, they're the only ones who have a purpose? That might dig i don't know like i feel like it, and i don't remember I've, i haven't seen the third one yeah, i don't even think i've ever seen the fir- third one all the way through maybe that's what happens i <laughs> highly doubt it is but um yeah i don't know if anyone else has any thoughts i jules i know you have a lot of thoughts uh deep thoughts about the matrix i'm sure you do you gotta let us know what they are but if anyone else has any thoughts about uh any of these characters please uh please do let us know um Yeah. So, okay, let's move on. There's a few other characters. The other uh, most interesting one, of course, (laughs) is the architect. So um, he reveals some interesting things that he's sort of the linchpin of the entire matrix, right? Um, So the idea is that he is an AI program that was designed to create the perfect, I guess, prison for humanity so that we could become batteries forever. And he has now on his sixth iteration And the first five iterations failed because number one, he created a utopia, but then humans didn't believe it. And they tried to break free. And then he created one that was faulty uh, and, and he had all of these different versions. And then finally they've settled on this new version, but the new version, the, the complexity of it is that it always has a Neo in it, like the one, but the one's purpose is to, make a choice. And then that choice will either destroy humanity or reboot the matrix into the next iteration, which is all interesting, uh, but also very confusing and not like, like what, why does it, (laughs) why does it have to be like, why is Neo built into the idea of the matrix? I, I I understand that they're trying to, I don't know. Do you have an opinion about that?
2: I think of it this way. It's like having a straw man enemy within the system. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll just use a generic, you know, international government, for example, you know, they might have controlled opposition who will act as opposition. So they have a you know a unified enemy to fight against. And suddenly you realize, oh, that enemy wasn't really an enemy in the first place. That's kind of how I thought of it. It's essentially Neo, they're planting in essentially controlled opposition, you know, could say, hey, these are terrorists. This is Morpheus and all these other people doing, et etc et But really, we're controlled by the Matrix from the very start. So they're part of the system to create a unified enemy to essentially reboot the thing itself. Um, so it's an essential part of the system. You know, you need to reboot the matrix every certain number of years just because of the fact that it's an artificial environment and there's you know multiple anomalies that are going to end up coming up anyway. So essentially it's a controlled anomaly. And in order to control it, have to make the system destroy itself and reboot every certain amount of years so i i did see it from that standpoint it seemed like another layer of control that would ultimately fit within the goals of the
1: villa yeah. It also feels a little bit like the writers found themselves like caught at a dead end. And we're kind of like, we're going to create a bunch of sci-fi gobbledygook (laughs) to get us out of this. And that's, what's going to be like the linchpin of everything. It's like, what? All right. So if you guys, someone else has to have an opinion about this here, Luke and Loki Saturday or similarity or Hey, Marilyn, how'd you get way up there? Uh, Lee or Mo or Mm -hmm. Eric Shue or, uh, hydrated Uh, anyone have any thoughts? Okay. We got a few thoughts here because, um, this is kind of where I kind of like, guys. You needed a, another draft of the script because it gets a little bit, a little bit convoluted. All right, Mikey, give us give us some
2: thoughts here. You know, the first time I saw this in theaters, uh, of course, uh, '03. Yeah, of course, it was in 2003. And um, the first time um, when, when he uh, the architect appeared, um, he
1: put me to sleep. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And have you watched it since then and have you do you have a new opinion about it, or is it just still like it's just too much gobbledygook and you kinda get lost
3: in it?
2: Um I know it it does feel like gobbledygook, but uh it's just a um it's what kinda of one of those where it's like uh so bad it's good kind of movies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh, unfortunately it, it gets into us so bad. It's good territory here. It, it is definitely true. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, yeah. No. Thank you. Because I kind I kind of have to agree with that. Thank you, Mikey. All right. Um, Hydronator.
0: The, the Matrix Two, I did not like that much. The Matrix One, pretty tough. What I don't like about the Matrix Two is how. There's ones and zeros. Like that's not real code. Now you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like if you really think about it, if you get the augmented matrix and like divided by the nullity, you actually get eigenvalues, which is not shown in the movie, which kind of threw me off a bit, you know? Wow. Interesting. Coder coder That's all that's all I got.
1: Okay. Very cool. Interesting. Interesting perspective. Uh all right, Jerry. You're your final option here. What do you gotta say about it? <laughs>
3: awesome awesome yeah uh well i actually was in college my first year of college a couple of years ago and the teacher like my english teacher spoke about the matrix and i thought that it was really uh it didn't really interest me either. i mean like i remember my friend dad tried to show me back in the day i didn't really find it that interesting i thought it was overrated but uh that's only because i wasn't aware of like the real matrix and what it was what i find it relating to in real life uh, and i don't know if anybody can you know, agree with me on this, but I feel like it kind of was a metaphor to the way that uh there's, you know, different ways of thinking within life and there's sort of like mainstream ways of thinking. Uh, not even mainstream, but like there's almost like ways you're expected to think and act. And then there's ways that you truly like want to and you're like, I don't know why things are almost like being forced in this certain direction, you know, like and I I don't know if anybody can relate to that. I hate to sound like a tin foil hat guy, but uh <laughs> I mean, it's crazy because it took me a couple of years, but I finally learned how to like understand uh, how the matrix related to real life. Yeah, what the fuck are these guys doing? I don't know. um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was just interesting, my man. The matrix is a it's it's something that I think everybody should understand. But a lot of people don't, and they're like a slave to it, you know.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. The first one in particular is, is interesting because it's all about going against the grain, unplugging your brain from the, uh, you know, the brainwashing that we're all under. We're all sort of, you know, slave to the man in a certain way. And um, to think free is is to uh, free yourself from that. Uh, For sure. That's very much a part of the first one. This one, uh, it doesn't have that theme quite as much, which I wish that it kind of did. I guess because it's like once he's free, then what do you do? It's like you got to go on with the story, and it becomes about, well, did he ever have free choice or didn't he have free choice? Was it all predestined uh, to begin with or not? Um, Which is, yeah, less interesting to me for sure. Um,
2: But uh, Yeah, I agree. Because remember, the second movie is all about a false choice. I think of it in many ways, like the architect's conversation and the choice between, you know, either saving Trinity or allowing all the to die, it's almost like um a card trick. You know, forcing someone to pick a card, if you know what I mean. How, you know, the magician will give you a selection of cards, but they'll kind of force the one they want you to pick. And it's a subtle move, but it's just enough to want you make you pick the card they want you to choose. Same thing. You know, essentially... That whole wall of monitors is talking about the probabilities of Neo's responses. Remember how he saw all the Neos and he's responding in different capacities. Essentially, it's a reminder that, hey, this is high tech AI at this point, it is able to predict Mm. certain levels of human behavior.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So, what we were seeing on those monitors was every other version of Neo. He already knew that Neo was going to choose love before he made any other decision. That's why it felt like he forced the card. He knew that Neo was going to pull that card and just let it play out but then so it's kind of by design right
1: but then we don't Then it's like well why should i care because everything just happened as, as it was predestined so like why should i be uh invested emotionally in neo's choices because it's all just predestined like that's the problem you get is like well if everything is 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 just predestined then like why should i watch the movie like what's the point you know it's all just sort of a big, a big con. I don't know. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying, but uh, from a, from a story mechanic point of view, you kind of lose stakes a little bit. You lose, like, you know, the danger element. Um, all right. So Loki Saturdays
0: and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Loki Saturday's going to give us uh, some wisdom here. Hopefully, what's up, Loki?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I agree. Oh, no, I can't see your face. Okay, I, I agree with you. <laughs> you waving. Um, hey man, what's up?
1: Don't be hard. Um, don't be. Give him some yeah, space. It seems like
0: this guy is. <laughs> a little bit of personal space. Well, there was a couple things that I was thinking about this, and I wanted your guys' opinion on it, but the first thing is I agree with you as far as I think he's considered this super advanced AI that basically can go through all of the possibilities, this full gambit of emotions that he can go through that Neo is possibly can, can uh, uh, have. And uh, But what's interesting, and I guess that's a question to you, is then if he... If he's this brilliant computer and he, he knows that Neo has this breadth of, of possibilities, but I know that he's going to choose love, he's, he's essentially already knows and then he's just rolling the dice and just wondering what's going to happen at the end of that. Is that kind of what you're thinking that he doesn't almost to the point? He's just like, well, I'm just going to leave it to chance then after this.
2: I think so, because in many ways, the architect wins either way. You know the, the fact they're willing to accept a lower level of existence you know if there's fewer humans keep them powered up okay they're gonna use the least amount just to keep active and then let humanity rebuild on its own anyway so it seems like yeah trinity dies hey same thing's gonna happen it destroys zion well they'll leave behind a handful of humans it will just not be by choice so it seems like hey 35 40 years later human beings will, you know, go back to normal capacity again. Yeah. And the cycle so starts okay all over So he's okay with peace again. then? I don't know if he... I think a peace is a temporary thing. Yeah.
1: I for th- But the way I think it is, like, well, if he's so smart, like, why doesn't he just say, you know what? I'm going to create a breed of humans that is super powerful Energy for my, you know, whatever I need them for, but at the same time doesn't require all of this high thinking philosophy and thought and choice. And so therefore I'll just, if I, okay, so let's say that battery has half the battery power of like uh, a Neo quality battery. Well, you just make twice as many of them. And then I've got no problems at all. And it seems like if I'm a super AI, I just come up with a better solution than this like crazy rigmarole.
0: <laughs> i think i think the ai have essentially made something that was this where, where it's like remaking it over and over again it's essentially organic and it's like mm. a chemical reaction where like there has to be this remainder like it's it's essential. it's a it's like a requirement of the universe that it's just it exists that that was one thing that i was the next question i was going to ask both of you guys is and maybe this i don't know maybe this is like something that but it just so is Neo considered, is this like a religious thing? Is Neo considered Jesus where he's like this, right? He, he has these followers. He's he's performing these miracles. He's all powerful. And he is reborn over and over again. Is, is it, is that, is that what you guys are seeing as well?
1: I mean, for it's sure. Especially at the very the
0: end, head head end of the third one where he like, it's essentially like he makes the cross at the very end. to just seem like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, for for your first years. Tier- there's definitely some Yeah, he- go ahead. I'm oh, sorry, please please. Go ahead.
2: Well, I, do, I just, you know there's some heavy-handed symbolism in play, but at the same time, I I think if this is analogous to um the Dune series in which, you know, the character of Paul Atreides is a false messiah, you know, his you know, level of talent is based on the rules of the world he lives in. Also, at the same time, all the prophecies were artificially implanted into the society. The same thing as the one in the case of the Matrix, that the system created the one and also propagated beliefs in the one by the use of, you know, the Oracle. So essentially, um, the Oracle was a controlled religion, to control the humans in many capacities because act, you know, the actual character is an AI, you know, a rogue AI, but they're still part of the system. So you can't really believe everything that the Oracle says. So to me, yeah, once again, it's another layer of control. It's, um, you know, control of the mind, you know, control of, you know, their thought process religious wise. I, I, that's how I see it. Yeah.
1: Well, to, oh. and to, your, to your to your first point, though, about like making it's organic, the natural process of humanity. I love that idea. I think you're giving maybe the Rachowskis is too much credit in that. It's a brilliant idea, though. But <laughs> um, I, I think and I think for sure they're dealing with uh, religious imagery, like the fact that he has this guy, he's following him around, who's like his disciple. And the fact that he, uh, you know, I mean, Trinity's name is literally Trinity. So there's some sort of, there's always been some spirituality caked into it. And this sort of death and rebirth that he experienced over and over again um so i I think all of that's there for sure but i think that in the end isn't i i don't know we'll have to come back we're going to do the third one in a couple weeks you'll have to come back and we'll we'll have to talk through all this stuff because i don't remember absolutely yeah i don't remember if he actually uh goes through and becomes the messiah who saves all of humankind i'm sure it is i'm sure i'm sure that's the way it ends so (laughs) that's what they're that's what they're building up to in the second one i'm sure yeah absolutely All right well thank you and uh we obviously don't have the definitive answers. this is all a discussion so if anyone else has any thoughts to throw in, please let us know jerry uh Jerry might have something uh where are you Jerry?
3: um'm right here and uh yeah man i just uh i feel like um i feel like the matrix was a movie that should have been a singular movie yeah uh i don't know changed my mind right
1: yeah (laughs) that's very uh, the first one is 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 absolutely the the classic uh the the conundrum of course is okay you're the producer the writer director of one of the most successful movies of all time do you do you just call it quits or you try to expand on the mythology and make it even deeper. You got to, you got to go for it. And I do appreciate that they, they swung for the fences, uh, but I don't agree with all the choices they made. Um, Any, any last thoughts on that future before we move on in the slides here?
2: I'm in the same boat. um, Just as you said.
1: Okay. All right. We'll give Mo one more, uh, one more um, mic moment here and then we'll move on. What's up, Mo? Yeah.
2: So, um, as a computer science major, yep, I do think uh, the Matrix is a b- brilliant movie because um, if we end up actually making simulations like that, that would be insane.
1: And hopefully, one day I can contribute to that. But but at the same time, I don't think it's possible to get to that level. But I do think we're gonna get really close to it. But if we make it, I want. I wish I could be here. Uh Well, and hopefully it's for the good of humanity, not for enslaving humans to become batteries for AI. Let's 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 make the utopic version, not the (laughs) dystopic version. I mean, like it's kind of starting in a way because of the metaverse. Everyone heard of it. Like in a way, if you think of it, it's kind of starting. Like that's like just the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. We're in it. We're in it right now. This is it. This is the birth of the metaverse. All of us, right here, right now, including you, Blue Moon. That's right. <laughs> we're 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 we are in we are in the matrix. Um, all right. So um, let's let's move on to our final little bit here. We talked about the point a lot already. I don't think we need to go over that too much. Um, but here's 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 one interesting thing. Uh, that is a, is a big sort of philosophical, again, conundrum at the center of this movie is like the, tr- uh, is the trolley problem. Does everyone, anyone know the trolley problem where it's sort of a, a, philosophical ethical idea where, uh, it postulates like if you're in a trolley and you're the trolley controller and you see that there's a, a fork in the, in the trolley tracks. And if you kill one person, you save 10. But if you want to save that person, then you're going to kill the 10. So the question is, do you save the one person uh, and kill the 10? Or do you save the 10 and kill the one? In this movie, he really chooses. Like He may destroy all of humanity forever if he chooses to save one person, which is Trinity. But due to love, he chooses to save Trinity. And it's like, well... Yeah, I guess that's the way you got to do it. But at the same time, dude, you're just going to destroy all of humanity for one person. Maybe you should have a talk with Trinity about this. And maybe Trinity would be like, you know what? Peace out. Like, you guys have fun. I had a good run. And like, I'm willing to sacrifice myself for everybody else. I don't know. Did you have any thoughts about that?
2: Well, to me, I felt like it was another layer of manipulation from the architect. I mean, the more you think of it, it's a bizarre question. You know, would you really allow... I mean, hundreds of thousands of people to die. I mean, if just from the rave scene alone. I mean, just the head count. And there are a lot of human beings within Zion. Well, I keep thinking it was a level of manipulation. I, I believe that the architect knew no matter what happens, the vast majority of humans were going to die at the end of the day, no matter which choice Neo made. But by offering that false choice of emotion versus rational decisions, you know, the architect knew he was going to get what he wanted in the end. Either way, everyone was going to die. Just look at the number of sentinels that were drilling through to Zion. I mean, it was designed to be a mission to destroy and eradicate. And the fact that the architect he enforced that multiple times, that they're brutally efficient, he knew that was going to be the end result. Because they could have easily just left, you know, 20-something people alive in Zion and just let them reproduce. So I really do think it was a false choice. Um, Neo. You know, he went with the emotional option, um, he tried to have his cake and eat it too. I mean, it was like it saved the day in two of us. Ultimately it could have been a disaster. So I still think it was a way to trick the audience into following that false choice and reinforcing those themes of, Hey, you know what? The only thing that makes the matrix more real is that illusion of choice.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right here. Here. How about this for another choice though? Because he was given the option of like, um if he decides to go into the source and reboot the matrix he was able to choose 23 people that would repopulate zion from scratch right here's a here's a here's an option for you choose trinity as one of those 23 and then you could be like the adam and eve of the new zion case close you got both you got you got your cake and you ate it too i don't know
2: yeah the weirdest thing was just the numbers you know like the numbers game of okay 23 people, I, I forgot what the exact breakdown was. It it, seemed like, it seems like just enough, like the basic limit of human population. Right. But remember, they keep saying, hey, we believe this world is 100 years from the bombs going off. Then they realize it might be 200 or 300. There's no known time scale at this time. But so we don't really know how the machines think. For them, waiting 200, 300 years might just be fine for them. So I think no matter which choice Neo made, Machines would have found a way to have the advantage.
1: Yeah, well, we'll have to tune in to part three to figure out how Neo escapes this uh, uh, this slavery of causality, as they as they say in the movie. I guess that's what we'll uh, we'll have to find out. And I do, I guess they do say at the end that hope is humanity's greatest feature, but also its greatest bug. And so, you know, here we are, trapped in uh, the illusion of hope and. um yeah, we'll see. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's see if I have any others out here. Oh, I have one more little thing here about the tech. Uh we've we've sort of covered the tech a little bit. The 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 interesting things uh that I thought about the the tech this time um were I think we sort of covered with the uh the, the uh vampires and aliens and ghosts all being um all being sort of rogue agents of the matrix, which is kind of neat. Um, the other thing that I loved about the tech was these this uh, substrate room. So I don't know what they, they don't have a name for it here. But the fact that you can go into these doors and go like in between the matrix, uh, I thought that was like a really cool idea. It's kind of a Philip K. Dick idea. So if anyone here has read uh, the Adjustment Bureau or seen the Adjustment Bureau, Based on a short story that Philip K. Dick wrote back in the 70s, it became a a mediocre movie uh, starring Matt Damon. But uh, yeah, Blue Blue Moon saw it. Um, But the the idea that I love uh, from that is the idea that there's this substrata, this sub layer of reality that if you can just tap into it, you can like essentially portal to anywhere or any when essentially in in the simulation so i thought that was very cool that they were able to uh, unlock that and i love that at one point neo's trapped in the mountains like he opens a door and like he finds himself in like the swiss alps and he's got to kind of fly back i thought that was really cool that was my favorite tech uh, adjustment for the the new movie
2: oh yeah as far as the tech goes i also want to talk about the tech of making the. as you have to give this film credit um you know what was this 2002 yeah um, As far as the designs of, you know, creating you know, facial, you know, prostheses, you know, digitally and, you know, manipulating facial features to create, you know, hundreds of, you know, Agent Smiths, mm-hmm. um, they, they did have some amazing leaps and bounds when it comes to that tech. But for limitations, I noticed in the first Matrix, use a good amount of in-camera effects. You know, the classic Matrix motion effect, with you know, multiple hundreds of cameras, you know, circling around the character. Those are real physical cameras on film. This time right. around, those same moments were done digitally. And I actually felt like it dropped a, a notch totally. down in quality. Because when it was a, a real human being doing wire work and having physical cameras take the shots, you know, within fractions of seconds, that motion versus artificial concoction with motion blur, you could see the difference. I mean, especially the, as it called, the burly uh-huh. Brawl, you know, or Neo versus hundreds of Agent Smiths. There are certain moments where I was like, oh, this looks great every time you saw the real people. But by the time we got to the fully digital human beings, it started looking a little more, you know, lower resolution, more video game. That was the one thing I did notice. There was a slight drop in quality when they chose digital versus physical photography.
1: I I, I, I I totally agree. I still... Yeah, yeah. It was... and Also, it's less relatable in a way. Like, when you had it just in the original movie, like, it was still sort of, like, kung fu, but it was done in a slightly augmented way that was still like, oh, wow, that's so cool. But now it's just, like, they're doing flips off of, like, oil rigs, like, flying down the highways just, like, totally... Un- unrelatable in some way, but and you're right. It, I mean, but you look at Marvel movies today; they're all that kind of effects, but they're better at it. So it's more like you're able to get the detail and stuff like that. This felt like you're watching almost an animated movie sometimes. The graphics weren't as good. Absolutely,
2: that's true. But at least the car chase, right. that highway chase, those are real vehicles right. for like about ninety percent right. of it. And I still think that is possibly one of the best car chases in film history, at least modern wide, because. They did things that were nearly impossible that you would not see today. I mean, now it would have been a bunch of digital cars bouncing off each other. That you have to give them credit for. That was a great achievement. Totally. Blue Moon agrees. Uh,
1: And uh, they, yeah, they built, I guess, up in the Bay Area somewhere, they built that entire freeway, right? And they just like were on it for months and months at a time, all of these crazy stunts. Um, Obviously not with the people necessarily, although there was some... But the cars were real. And then they uh, they did some the graphics with the, with the people. Right. Yeah, beautiful work. Yeah, I feel like that was the equivalent of the first movie where they did the helicopter flying in and Neo trying to save Morpheus. And they had all of those. That was like, okay, how are we going to top ourselves? Well, let's do it on a moving truck, <laughs> essentially. It's like, that's kind yeah. of the <laughs> idea behind that. Um, all right, so this brings us to... It brings us to this movie of all time. Uh, One wow is like, what the hell did I just watch? This was a disaster. Uh, I'm going to give you the honors, Futurosity, of going first and giving us your wow score. And then uh, Blue Moon, you got to give us your wow score too. I know you got an opinion about this. Okay, take it away, Futurosity.
2: Well, over time, I would have to give it a solid seven. It was entertaining. It was good. But it never hit greatness. And that's a hard one. I mean, because the original Matrix, I give that, you know, that's almost a near perfect score for me. I love that movie. I rewatch it at least once a year, maybe twice. This one, it was it had potential and I could kind of grow to like it a little bit more. At seven, it seems like, hey, they did a great effort. There was great craft. It just was the execution overall didn't meet what I was looking for.
1: Very fair. Very fair. I appreciate it. Yeah. So that's so interesting because I, oh, this is, it's always interesting to come to the wild wow score because I feel like uh, in this way, well, you were like defending a lot of the points for it. I was a detractor and yet I also give it a seven. And so we both kind of come <laughs> in the middle at the end. And the reason I give it a seven is because I think that, look, in, in, in today's world of Marvel kind of cookie cutter formula where every movie is exactly the same, They really went for it. They really tried to do something original. They really tried to do something thought provoking and deep, but also push the boundaries of what popcorn movies can do in terms of the special effects and things like that. So I give it complete credit for aiming uh, for the fences. Uh, However, uh, I feel like they lost their way. They lost the simple story that would have been more satisfying. They lost that emotional uh, journey of the main character where we can relate to it, it was, you know, we don't really think about free will and choice on a daily basis. And so it's a little less relatable. um, Whereas we do have problems with insecurities and problems with self doubt. And that one, the first one is a perfect metaphor. I think it was uh, Jerry out here somewhere that said, that it was a perfect metaphor for thinking on your own, stepping outside of what's safe, uh, being different from everybody else, and taking a chance. And that really is something that they so articulately uh, and eloquently um, dramatized in the first one. And that's missing here. They got a little bit high, high in the sky with their philosophical thoughts. Um, Quez, if you want to, oh, uh, yeah, maybe Quez has a tie here. So that's, that's my takeaway is that it's a, it's a, it's a seven out of 10. It's, it has some solid, innovative, interesting ideas that deepen some of the, um, ideas of the matrix and simulations, but in the end it did not stick the landing for me. Uh, so I give it a seven, uh, Quez has something to add here yeah compared to the first one i'd probably give it a solid six solid six lie. okay I yeah that. yeah fair enough that's about right we got we we got two sevens and a six hey, thank you thank you quiz anyone else
3: uh
1: anyone else have a, a wow score to give here anyone uh, see, see it? yeah what do you, uh uh ubiquity okay blue moon here we go uh ubiquity use the raise hand option, ubiquity and then we can uh take your question there what do you think blue moon
3: yeah, I, I would have to agree with what
2: what um, you guys said. I would give it a seven. Um, I, I'm still in love with the concept. I still think we're all living in in, in the matrix, anyways. Right. So um,
4: yeah, I, I, I would give it a seven. Um, it's, it's it's with me, Neo
2: slash Keanu Reeves. He can't do any wrong in my eyes. So <laughs> I'm still stuck on on that whole thing. So I'm I'm just stoked for like for so I'm just waiting for that to see I'm so curious is how what they're gonna do so many years later. So I'm really excited to see how it's gonna all play out how it's all going
0: to be going together. Absolutely. So I'm excited about
1: that. We will we'll have to hold we'll have to hold a a a whole discussion here about Matrix 4 after we see it and have everyone's opinion on that. I'm very curious about it. Um I'm protecting myself. I'm not I have low expectations uh just because I don't want to be disappointed, but it the the trailer looks amazing and I'm excited to see what they do with it. So uh okay, cool.
2: We'll have to come Also, yeah. one thing I think is good about this time around Remember, when this movie came out, it was a huge multimedia event. Remember, they had the video game, Enter the Matrix, then they had the Animatrix. So they had all these other aspects of storytelling that they were focusing on instead of directly on the movie itself. So I'm hoping with Matrix 4, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of ancillary projects connected Mm. to it. So I'm hoping this time around, hey, you know, the Wachowski sister that's directing it, this is focusing on that one task. So I definitely have a good feeling this is going to be much better. Yeah. And
1: they've had a lot of time to think about it as well. And so uh, we have our episode with the storyboard artist of matrix one, two, three, four. He was the first hire on the original matrix. We just did that episode and it's coming out on Tuesday and he is, he's just worked on matrix four. He wasn't able to give major spoilers. We tried, we tried to give major spoilers, but he did say <laughs> that it, it's not, you wouldn't consider it a sequel. You wouldn't consider it a reboot. It's kind of like, its own thing within the matrix universe, which I think is interesting. So they're not trying to like rehash all the old stuff and they're not trying to continue on in the in the path that we've just followed one, one, two, three. So that's interesting, it, it sort of piqued my interest. I'm very curious. Um, Ubiquity, we saw your uh, question there, but we w- didn't get to it, it's gone away. So we got Jules here. Uh, what's happening, Jules? Oh, hey, uh, it was, it's kind of nice to be able to listen
4: to um, the Matrix movies all over again, from your point of view, because it's—I did find it kind of convoluted a little bit. Um, I think what was really interesting is, you know, the more money they, I don't know how much they spent on the budget, and I—I I think probably you know yeah. how much. And the more money they put into it, the more money they put into it, the less we were able to relate. Yeah, you know, so there's a little bit of a direct, uh, proportion in indirect proportion, and that's kind of worrisome in a way because we seem to be putting a lot of, and even if we compare it to what's happening in the metaverse now, it's like what's happening, the ingenuities coming out of, you know, people with, you know, budgets and for very small budgets and the creativity and the clarity and the simplicity really lends itself to um, what's going on even now in our metaverses compared to, you know, what you may probably but yeah, what we might probably expect when more money is thrown. So I like the simplicity and the fluidity of the first couple. And I would give the second one maybe about, I give it a seven and a half. Um, but I at the same time, I'm, I like it because it was one of the, the first channels to provide, like what you said, a basis for transmedia storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see a lot of that coming out from this uh, next uh, iterative.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, thank you, Jules, AKA Splash Mango, an incredible uh, virtual artist, AKA Juliet Lowe, uh, who is on our our previous episode. Go check that out guys, because she has a lot of very interesting things to say about the metaverse. I can't agree more, you know, you know, coming from the, uh, the the film world as well. It's like, sometimes when people have low budgets, uh, they're able to be a little bit more free in saying something that is a little bit more from the heart, which I know Jules, you're all about. And, Uh, you can articulate it in a way that is more human because you don't have everything at your disposal. And sometimes when you have everything at your disposal, that kind of um, takes the focus away from this human centered story at the heart of what, you know, makes a good movie or makes a good virtual experience. So I can't, I couldn't agree more with that.
2: Oh, I totally agree. I just believe when you have commercial interest involved, you have to hit a certain number of check boxes. Yeah. You have to make sure that, hey, all the demographics are matching what you're expecting. You have to think in terms of the print and advertising fees. I mean, there's so much at stake that I, I really doubt the Wachowskis were able to have that singular vision after a certain point just because of that. I mean, it's too risky. I mean, video games, movies, books, animation, I mean, there's so many aspects of the Matrix as a business that it became more than just this you know, hit movie. It was a whole world they had to manage so i hope now that things are a little scaled back i I honestly hope that you know this new movie is just hey i want to have a people story in the matrix
1: that'll be beautiful and the other thing with comes with a lot of success what happens unfortunately you know the original matrix they got rejected and rejected again and rejected again for like five years and so they honed it they made it better right and they kind of kept working at it and they believed in it then it's like they're given the entire world they're given carte blanche And so they could do whatever they want. So they're not forced to be as disciplined as they might've had to have been if they kept getting rejected. So that's all, uh, yeah, another another part of it. Um, Okay, cool. Uh, If there's uh, any other thoughts here, I think that's a a good place to, to end. We have one more here, City Girl. What's happened to City Girl? Let me get you on mic here. What do you think, City Girl?
5: So I agree with like seven being a good rating for this. I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say, you know, for the time when this came out and of course the original matrix there is no comparison. It's, you know, it's one of the best movies I think science fiction wise that has come out and I love the whole concept of the matrix and and you know the the psychological aspect of all of it. Even though the sequel is obviously not living up to the original, you not you, but I mean the general you watched the entire thing all the way through, stuck glued to the screen, still enjoyed the concept of it. Was, you know, were there, were there areas of it where you were kind of got a little bit off trail and lost, of course, but compared to, if you look at it in comparison with other science fiction movies that are out there, it is still up here. Yeah. You know, you, you're not down here. You're not on par. You're still above par. So I think seven, but maybe a little bit on the higher end of and i think that you know hopefully i agree that you know this next one coming out let's hope it's better let's hope that it's on you know a more relatable level for now but we're talking 2003 compared to 2022 so oh, 2021 like we're talking you know apples and oranges that the metaverse now is not what it was then right so
1: Absolutely you're you're totally right uh, the ideas of the original matrix trilogy are still were revolutionary at the time and we're still catching up in a certain way right like they were so far ahead of their time that only now can we relate to it on a on a level that we're literally in the metaverse now and it's like we can relate to that and all those ideas seem much more real and much more uh, authentic now than they did. And back then it was just kind of like the reason that the movie kept getting rejected by the studios was because people were just like, what the hell is this? What are you talking about? Like they wake up from a simulation, but the simulations, our world is, I don't understand. Right. And now we, we very much uh, understand that concept. So it's a good, definitely a good point. Cool. Um, and I think Jules has something to add to that as well. What's up Jules?
4: <laughs> no, I I really didn't. I I I enjoyed their responses as well too. So hey, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool.
1: All right, great. Well, uh, then um, let's uh, let's get out of here. Um, anything else to add before we go? Where can people get in touch with you, uh, Futurosity?
2: Oh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Futurosity VR. Love to chat. Very
1: cool. And, you know, we should probably go to Matty Boy's Matrix World after this because literally Matty Boy's Matrix World is about Matrix 2 and about that big brawl. If anyone wants to, to head over to Maddie Boy's World after this, let's do it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, thank you for teleporting into this worldcast of Simulation Nation, whether you're with us in virtual reality like these fine folks listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or watching Glorious Technicolor on YouTube. And remember to subscribe to our Instagram at The Simulation Nation, where we'll have all these slides up there, Twitter at SimNationVR, and our Discord server. Then join us next week for our Fashion in the Metaverse episode with avatar clothing and hair designers. We got a guy coming in from Japan, I think inspired by, I don't know if it was City Girl or Blue Moon. One of you guys were, were, get clothing from this guy in Japan, so we got him on the show. We got uh, a, a hair designer uh, who is, I think, a part of the flock, which it looks like City Girl is, and Blue Moon as well. So that's going to be next week. It'll be super fun, and I'm, I'm super stoked to see uh, what people are, are bringing to fashion in the Metaverse. Until then, stay plugged, my friends.